0: Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all-natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Stop it. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm not finished. I'm doing my thing. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner unplugged
1: Welcome to episode 61 of The Middle Unplugged a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation So all around the world well I assume all around the world people are getting evaluations it's the end of the year they're being told how they did on their job whether they're getting a bonus they're going to get more responsibility they're going to get maybe a promotion I know that's happening around here. I'm sure Eric and Ricky and Will, they're going to be well-assessed for the work that they've done. But it doesn't seem to happen in one element of the worker environment, and that is when you're a pundit or you're someone that makes predictions about things in media. Very rarely does anyone go back and hold you accountable for those things. I see guys every Sunday predict football games, and they get it wrong like 80% of the time, and yet they still get a chance to come back the next week. And I always thought the same should be true of political punditry. Now, when I was in government life and political life, I would watch these predictions being made on TV and says, why is anyone listening to that guy? He always gets it wrong. Well, now I'm in media. And so I figured it would be fair that if I took a little look back at the years past here, the year past here on the Middle Unplugged podcast and start to see which of my takes looked like it turned out to be pretty good, Which of them turned out to be not so good? And we're going to have one during the Ask Anthony segment where I'm not really sure yet. All right, let me start with the positive things. Let me start with the upside. These are the takes that I think I got pretty well. Back in January, when the Republicans were trying to figure out who their speaker was, I thought I came up with a pretty pithy thing called the speaker in name only. I took a look at what I thought was going to go down and I said that it almost didn't matter who was chosen in all those 15 ballots that, that took them to choose Kevin McCarthy because I thought for sure they were going to have problems throughout the year for one important reason, and that is that they had a handful, not you know two dozen or three dozen, but a handful, 10 or 15, of their members that were completely nihilistic, that wanted it their way or the highway, and even the part about their way, they didn't know what they wanted, they just wanted to be no on things. So I predicted then that it would be a pretty bad year for the Republicans running the House, and as a result, frankly, for the country. And that turned out to be exactly right. It turned out that by the end of this year, which is gonna wrap up soon, but the House has already gone home, that there have been fewer pieces of legislation advanced in the first year of this Congress than any time, going back almost 100 years. Certainly uh, fewer than the so-called do-nothing Congress. And now we have Mike Johnson, we have another speaker. They've blown out the one they had, and he's facing the exact same problems that the speaker before had, and the speaker before him had, and whoever else was in there in the middle. So that turned out to be a very correct take. Now, I will point out a lot of people saw that these rule changes they were doing were going to be problematic, but I think I got that take exactly right back in January. In June, when Fox News lost this big lawsuit against Dominion voting, $787 million, I came in and I had a a, a show that I did where I thought that that Fox's losing would really be a function of of a tree falling in the forest and no one hears it. No one would care. There was a lot of speculation. Finally, there's been some accountability for the lies. Finally, there's been accountability for telling folks just what they want to hear. And I postulated that, no, I thought that it was going to be much ado about very little. Tucker Carlson got fired. Someone else got put in in his spot. And guess what happened? The ratings basically stayed the same. The revenues for Fox stayed basically the same. The number of people that were tuning in every night to hear the stuff were the same. Every once in a while, you have a little something where you'll have a Fox News host maybe say something when there's election now going on. They'll chime in and say, well, none of that has been proven or something. But basically, it proved what I thought was the case and that people don't mind being told the lies. They don't get outraged when they find out that a media outlet has been lying to them. And here we are now. After that take has been uh, proved largely correct, at least in the next from the last few months, um, and very little has changed. Fox lies; they paid, and no one seems to care. And I got that take pretty much right. Another take that I got right was about the Chinese balloons. I said at the time, with somewhat um, chagrin in my voice, that I was going to do an episode on the Chinese spy balloons. If you need to go back and Google what that even is, you're making my point. And I argue that, you know what, this is much to do about nothing. We will not be talking about this in days, if not if, uh, in weeks, let alone days. And so here we are months later, the Chinese weather balloon issue has come and gone. They had a big investigation, you might not have heard about this, that found out that uh, they had enough spy equipment on those five, I think, balloons. And I'm checking my notes here. It says that there are two railroad cars of spy equipment. The one thing we did get out of it is a new unit of measurement, railroad cars. Um, But we didn't lose our appetite for all things China-mongering. And, you know, we seem to need in this country at any one time a country that we focus on as the worst thing, the thing that we're all unified in being upset about. China is still that. But uh, weather balloon gate seems to have come and gone. And another thing about that report that was done by the intelligence agencies, they said it was not a major breach and they don't even think – the Chinese got any information out of it. Another um, uh, take that I got very right was episode uh, 22 back in March where I looked at what was at the time a little bit of DeSantis' boomlet of like everything, oh, DeSantis is really going to cause trouble Um, for Donald Trump. He's the guy to watch. And I took a hard look at this question of whether woke is a good thing or a bad thing. And I predicted at the time, or at least questioned, whether woke was a salient election kind of platform to have. And I argue that it was kind of a weird thing because no one knew exactly what it was. A lot of people viewed being woke as kind of a compliment, not an insult. And that it also didn't fall into the rubric of what usually makes a good presidential candidate, someone who is trying to solve problems that real Americans face at any one time. Um, Now, there are some elements of residual wokeism, I also said I didn't quite think that the Bud Light boycott was that big a deal. And they, seemed, they did seem to lose a few shuckles on that. But as far as DeSantis and wokeism, woke became less of a thing for voters. So did COVID, to be honest with you. And DeSantis has been trying to find his footing ever since. You heard that cut at the top of the show. He's uh, not a very natural person when it comes to campaigning. But I also think that just generally, whenever you make your campaign slogan, Florida is where woke goes to die, I think you've pretty much got an idea that you're not going anywhere. But there is an interesting fallback, uh, 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 an interesting fallout from the whole woke campaign. The chair of the Florida Republican Party, Um, is hanging on by a thread and is about to lose his job. And his wife, who is the uh, chairman, the chairperson or president of Moms for Liberty, part of Ron DeSantis' book banning movement, the two of them uh, were caught and that are now part of a sex scandal because they are apparently having sex with a third person. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's amazing what people define as being woke nowadays. And the final place where I think I had my takes were pretty much spot on is when I predicted in episode 37 that RFK Jr. would turn out to be a phony. This was back in July. You couldn't shake a dead cat without hitting someone who was interviewing RFK Jr. and trying to figure out what he was all about, getting all this attention. Is he going to be the alternative in the Democratic primary for uh, Joe Biden? And I argued at the time he was a phony. That he was running really just to sell books, to see his name in the paper, to overcome some kind of insecurity he had about being a Kennedy that is a little bit crazy. Um, And I predicted that he would have zero impact on the Democratic primary. Um, I don't know if I said the exact words that he would run as an independent or switch parties, but I did say he would not hurt the Democrat, would probably uh, eat away at Republican votes more. So the fact that he's now running as an independent came as no surprise to me, and I think I called that one pretty correctly. Now, don't get me wrong. He's having some impact as an independent voter, depending on where he gets on the ballot. Um, I don't think it's a zero effect on the world, but it's certainly not any real effect on the political life of our our country. So those are the good takes. Those are the ones that I got right. And as I do my end-of-year assessment on what's worked and what hasn't, I put those up front because I'm an optimistic person. But arguably my bad takes, my lousy takes, at least the ones that are lousy so far, haven't aged well, but who knows, maybe will turn out to be collector's items someday. Um, Let me start out with this one. Back in May, I grabbed on, as everyone had and everyone continues to, on the notion that Joe Biden is old, enfeebled, and vulnerable to falling over at any time or making some kind of a gaffe. And the argument I made at the time is that he was... All of those things, but effective, that he'd run a fairly effective administration, and that ultimately as we got closer to the election, that would be the thing that resonated the most. Well, I've kind of turned around on that. If you heard my November episode where I talked about the idea that part of the problem with him digging out of this problem is his inability to speak forcefully, the physical act of speaking – um, and now looking at some of the polls and that despite the better uh, uh, economic news that we're going to get to in a moment and also, generally speaking, the bad news that uh, um, Donald Trump has, got, has had recently. We'll talk about that in a moment. I think I might have had this wrong. Um, we'll see. Uh, this might be the kind of thing if you look for explanations of why Joe Biden is, has approval ratings that are lower than George W. Bush did after Katrina Um, you have to start to think that maybe our assessment of this system uh, of assessing how polls should look at this time has been wrong. I know that I had a wrong take there. And related to that, in August, during the summer, I started to see what a lot of economists have started to see, that there were signs that the economy was getting better. Now we're at a place that it is legitimately good. And I argued leaning heavily into Bidenomics would turn things around for the administration very quickly that just waiting and hoping wasn't the way to go. But to like, look, either the, the economics were going to get better, which I predicted they would, or they were going to get worse. And either way, you were going to be held responsible or take blame for it. Well, they've tried that strategy. They tried the strategy of leading into Bidenomics. I'm not saying it will not ever work, but it certainly hasn't had the salutary effect that I thought it would. And look at how much better economic news there has been. The inflation rate is now down close to Fed targets. Job creation is higher than any president in recent history and much more than they had under Donald Trump. Gas prices are lower. You've got the stock market that has reached record highs. You would think if there was going to be an opportunity for this to turn around by leaning into Bidenomics, it would have happened sooner. That was a take that I had that turned out to, at least for now, to be wrong. And in related bad takes, and this could be the worst take of the year. I took some heat for it at the time and perhaps... My critics turned out to be right. Back in April, I did an episode of The Pod where I tried to argue that all of the indictments that were being handed down, the January 6 insurrectionists that were pleading guilty and going to jail and the worst crime in American history by the, in terms of the sheer numbers of people that were involved, that the system was working and that democracy had bent but it hadn't broken, that what we learned in the worst possible scenario Donald Trump trying to overturn an election, almost refusing to leave office, that the courts did what they were supposed to do, combined with public opinion doing what it's supposed to do and voting the guy out. But now here we are, months later, after I kind of took that victory lap on behalf of our democracy, and you've got the indictments that have been handed down that have arguably led to increased popularity for the incumbent, uh, for the uh, uh, for Donald Trump. You've got a situation where. Donald Trump is getting more and more emboldened with every public statement using literal Nazi language, using language of of insurrection again, basically pledging to be, uh, in so many words, a dictator on day one. And I'm wondering if indeed the court system functioning is having the effect that I thought it would. When you have the courts being discredited as being political or wrong or witch hunt so successfully – um, now, maybe it'll change. Like I said, this looks like a bad take now, but maybe it will come around. But the thing that has me the most concerned that I have messed this take up is I didn't consider fully the idea that the legal system is slow and the political system goes on a calendar one way or the other. Uh, so we're about to enter the season where primaries are happening and there's supposed to be trials happening, say, March um, and it looks like the ability of Donald Trump to delay proceedings by appealing things, by making, um, uh, making petitions to the Supreme Court, is having the effect of slowing this so far down that maybe I was wrong. Maybe the system can't work in this way. So again, might age a little bit better, but for now, I'm going to put a pin on that one and say it was too soon for me to argue how great that the system had worked. And final, a final take that I had, a final prediction, prognostication, you know, foresight that I thought I had, was in October, November, and doing a few episodes about what was going on in the Middle East. I kind of set up this dichotomy that, yes, there was a danger on the, of public opinion on the left being against Israel, as it had been for some time, turning against Israel in greater, in, in greater numbers. I think I saw that coming but i always counterbalanced it by saying that i do believe that there was broad bipartisan consensus in support of israel because of the way israel had always been a bipartisan issue that republicans and democrats alike had worked together on what i didn't quite realize or i didn't quite appreciate is even an issue like israel gets t- gets torn and pulled into the polarization we have in our country right now and that republicans would say we're going to turn against joe biden because he hasn't done what he what, what they perceived he should he should be doing on Israel, what he should say, notwithstanding the strong support. And so, even in Congress, where there is still very strong bipartisan support for Israel, we are starting to see Democrats and Republicans, as a country, go to their different corners, unable to kind of agree on anything, even if in their their visceral instinct is to do that. Now, this has been accelerated and helped by Bibi Netanyahu's unpopularity both here and in Israel, but. Um, this was something that changed since my time in Washington. It used to be that we didn't speak ill of each other of each other when, we, when, they, when our president of the opposite party was doing what was right in Israel. I would bite my tongue and I would say Ronald Reagan was an excellent president on Israel. I would bite my tongue and stipulate that I liked what, what Donald Trump did in moving the embassy, for example, because I thought bipartisan support for such a, a small issue in terms of the, demogra- the demographics was important. Well, that seems to have changed like so many other things. If they can make EV cars uh, 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 part as is an issue, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that that can be the case for Israel as well. So those are ones that I got wrong. And when we get back on Ask Anthony Anything, the segment where we kind of rely on, you, on, on feedback, we're going to go to one more on a take that I'm not quite sure is right or wrong, but we're going to get some help from a, a listener to the show. And we'll be back with that right after this break.
0: Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A N A C O O L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. So welcome back. So as
1: you know, if you're a regular listener to uh, uh, the Middle Unplugged podcast, is we have a segment at the end where we do some form of clapping back, whether responding to questions that a listener has called in to ask or something public that has been said on on 77 WABC Radio or even out in the world. Um, And uh, today we've got um, a caller to our radio show that called in this weekend. And let me tell you why he is on the list, and that call is going to be used here. Because we're talking about the takes they did, which ones I got wrong and which ones I got right. And one of them was in episode 36, I talked about the error I perceived in the Republicans pursuing impeachment as a political matter. And I talked about the challenge they were going to face if it was seen as being illegitimate. And the fact that this this impeachment of Joe Biden has been supported by just wafer thin um, um, support, so much so that even the... Committee chairman saying, uh, asked a direct question, what crime are you investigating? Say something like, well, we're investigating something that might lead to an investigation that might lead to something that we learn." And so I came up pretty strongly by saying that, look, I thought this was a mistake for them politically. Obviously, I want them to be unsuccessful with it as well. And then we got a call this weekend from, uh, from someone to the radio show that made me rethink that take. Listen to this. Next, let's go to Jim on Long Island.
0: Go ahead, Jim. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for taking my call. Couple of, A couple of questions here, <clears throat> or comments. As it relates to uh, Joe Biden, just because of the co- commentary you just made, they have Joe Biden on tape uh, confirming that he was going to withhold giving Ukraine a billion dollars until they fired an attorney investigating Burisma, who his son was collecting millions of dollars in fees for. That in and of itself should be grounds for impeachment. So...
1: Jim from Long Island got me thinking. Uh, First of all, let's revisit this a little bit just to set the the parameters. Um, On one hand, there have been these hearings that the Republicans have done uh, that haven't bred very much. There has been a lot of skepticism even from journalists at Fox News. But they have done a pretty good job of planting the seeds of doubt. And that caller, Jim from Long Island, you know, it's not hard to kind of get to the bottom of what went on with Joe Biden, there was no secret recording of Joe Biden. Joe Biden was the vice president of the, United, of the United States in charge of Ukraine as part of his portfolio. And he was giving speeches far and wide, talking about the administration's position on how to help Ukraine. And to go back to that moment in time, we, the United States of America, the EU, a coalition not dissimilar to the one that is gathered now to help in its war against Russia, was trying to bolster Ukraine against Russia aggression, which was already manifested. So as part of doing that, as we frequently do when we're giving you weapons or we're giving you a foreign country money, we also try to use it as a fulcrum to... Fix your civil society, and there was a lot of corruption and a lot of concern about members of Congress. We want to help out Ukraine. We want to give them weapons and give them give them support for their economy. It's just what they did, just like they did in the European Union, but there was a lot of corruption in that government. Democracy has not taken hold there, the way you would hope that it would create you know all kinds of institutions to make corruption less possible. And the point person on dealing with corruption in the Ukraine at the moment. Uh, at that moment, was a guy named Victor Shokin. He was the prosecutor general, and he was corrupt. Now, what I'm saying now is not very newsy. At the time, it was widely talked about as being corrupt. The vice president, Joe Biden, the president, members of Congress had determined that he was corrupt and that he had a go, and no one wanted to give money to Ukraine if he was still around. Now, that is now fast forward. And And by the way, in addition to all of those things, Republican and Democratic members of Congress, including some of those that are today spinning this other narrative, were um, in favor of getting rid of Shokin. He eventually was forced out. Now, an interesting little thing about this is Shokin, that guy, was not investigating Burisma when Hunter Biden was there. Now, by the way, I should say this, Hunter Biden being on the board of a Ukrainian company made life very complicated. It was ill-advised, but in terms of the connection, that was trying to be drawn by Jim from Long Island, um, it didn't exist. In fact, it was the opposite. They're trying to get rid of him. There was no secret about that policy. Now, two things about this. First, the Republicans who are making this claim, spinning it so that Jim hears it, they know better. They were there in Congress. This is not a hard thing to figure out. But a second thing to keep in mind about this is that during the impeachment of Donald Trump, the first one, this very issue was front and center because... Donald Trump was saying, and, and others were saying, oh, there's all that corruption. All he was talking about is get rid of the corruption there. So they looked at this timeline about whether there was corruption, who was trying to get rid of it, and how. So they had several, if not a dozen witnesses, before congressional proceedings under oath, talk about the U.S. policy of trying to get rid of Shokin and why. And if the Republicans really do believe that that was part of a corrupt scheme by Joe Biden. How come those people aren't being called before hearings? How come they're not being subpoenaed? How come they're not being charged with committing perjury? And the reason is, like I said, the Republicans in Congress know better. So that's the background. But So why does it, why am I questioning my prediction? Why am I even talking about it in the context of this show? Jim in Long Island is an active caller. He's someone that can look it up and learn and know better. But it has gotten in like an earworm successfully to completely overturn the history. Language like, Joe Biden had secret, a secret, he's been on tape, uh, he's been heard to have done this. Yeah, this was a public policy. But it makes me wonder if whether or not the Republicans are being more successful than I thought they would be, taking something out of broad cloth and making it seem like it's a, a scandal. Now, we see it happen repeatedly. It's not a new phenomenon, but the success in muddying the waters and making it seem to a caller to a radio station that it is that valid and that, you know. Now, I gave a similar answer to him that I just gave to all of you, my podcast audience, but it has me thinking that maybe this impeachment strategy by the Republicans is not as crazy as it seems. So that's the Ask Anthony Anything segment. I appreciate you sitting through. That's, you know, what kind of grade would I give myself? I did okay. I'm trying to be accountable. Um, some of these things may age better. Some of these things may age even worse. Um, I wind up saying a lot of things. When you're a member of Congress, as I mentioned, you're, you're you know, you're doing opinions all the time. Just about every day, you got to come up with a yes, no, and undecided a constituent calls and rights. But I think people in media, as I am now in media, should also have that kind of accountability. So let me know what you think. I've dropped all the social media stuff. It's wienerwabc at gmail.com. And I hope that you reach out on the radio. You can always call in. uh, I think we have one more episode this year before the end of the year. Um, But for those of you who I won't get a chance to express personally, uh, happy holiday and Merry Christmas and perhaps a good New Year. Um, That's my assessment of my takes. And this marks the end of The Middle Unplugged.